The Free for All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, we say good morning to Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Michelle Morrow is a music teacher. Bob Richardson, News Talk 1010 contributor, senior counsel at National Public Relations. Okay, so let's, Jerry was saying, why did we talk about politics? Well, first of all, because it's a great soap opera. Second of all, because it affects our day-to-day lives. So uh, let's start with this business of Justin Trudeau dragging his feet on calling an inquiry into Chinese electoral interference. And and I don't know if you were listening, Bob Richardson, when we spoke with uh, Bob Fife of, uh, of the Globe and Mail. But is can uh, Bob Richardson not hear us? Is that the problem? Okay. Well, let me start with Deb Hutton then. Uh, Deb Hutton, we talked with Robert Fife from the Globe and Mail, and he had to choose his words very, very carefully for obvious reasons. But the suggestion in some quarters is not only have the Chinese meddled for certain election outcomes, but some people may be beholden to the Chinese before they are to their own government. This is really, really scary stuff. Uh, I, I was actually listening to Scott Reed this morning on the morning brief, and he made an excellent point on this. We absolutely, as Canadians, need to know more. The question is how best to do that, because the prime minister just giving me assurances that the last election wasn't in jeopardy in terms of our ability to elect the people we want to elect doesn't do it for me. I don't know that a political inquiry or committee is the right way to go either, but we have to figure out some way for CSIS to give average Canadians the goods. We need to see about a a registry of foreign agents, and we need to make sure that we are dealing with individuals that are part of the Chinese efforts in Canada in a very heavy-handed way. Bob Richardson is not completely out of normal for foreign countries to mess around with uh, domestic politics, but in this case, there's a, a degree of shamelessness in, in the Chinese conduct that they're, they almost do it in the open. Yeah, th- look, this needs to be stopped. There's no question about it. I agree on this. It does require some form of an inquiry. I would, I would try to get maybe a, a panel of wise men and women I'd even select uh, somebody like Alan Rock, a liberal, Peter McKay, a conservative, Francis Lankin, a new Democrat, and send them out and say, you got 90 days, review what happened. Uh, do you concur with CSIS? And what uh, what do we ought to do in the future? There's an Australian law to study. I agree with Deb on the registry. There's things that we can do and put in place. I think the prime minister is trying not to panic people, but at the same time, he certainly doesn't sound like he's providing reassurance. And I think that's a political mistake. Michelle Moreau, I I like Bob's proposal. It's an elegant solution. Absolutely. And I don't think getting information out there is a bad thing. We need to be informed of what's happening behind the scenes so that we can be more aware of what's happening in our elections. Even with the report saying that people had been working at um, small election stations, like we should have we should know if that sort of thing is happening. So I don't I'm really unhappy that the release of information is making people drag their feet. Why I don't see the I don't see the downside to informing people and telling them what's happening so we can all go into this with clear eyes. Pierre Polyevre is denouncing conservative MPs, three of them, who met with a far right German politician while she was visiting in Canada. They claimed not to know who she was, which I find incredible, to be perfectly honest. Michelle Moreau, I don't know if you were on the receiving end of some of the videos I was being sent previously of this German politician, Canadian conservatives, hard right, were beyond gleeful that she was mocking Justin Trudeau in the European Parliament. 
Yeah, I find that kind of embarrassing that people were so happy to see that, because even if you didn't vote for Justin Trudeau, he is still the leader of our country. And anything he does reflects badly on all of us, whether you voted for him or not. So I find that really disgusting that people were people were actively putting that out to remind people that this was happening. And I'm, I'm with you. I hate that when they're like, I didn't know who this was. It's one thing if it's a, just a photo op, your people are lining up to take pictures with you. That I can see. Mm-hmm. But having a meeting with an MP and not knowing who she is, then you need to fire your staff because they're not doing their job. This is their job to research who you talk to so things like this don't happen. Well, Deb Hutton, I was mocking these MPs over the weekend saying, I guess they don't have access to the Internet. Yeah, so I know one of these MPs very, very well, and I am extremely disappointed. I am very discouraged that we don't seem at the federal level to do more to uh, denounce this behavior. You said Polyev has. I don't think he's gone far enough, and I hate saying that because I'm saying it about a friend, but enough is enough. This is disgusting. The notion that you wouldn't know when you're meeting with someone uh, what they believe in and why they're here, by the way, in the first place is just ludicrous. And we have to, as a party, I say that as a proud conservative, we have to do more. Okay, last quick thoughts, Bob Richardson, because there's such a wealth of stuff I want to get to this morning, but your thoughts on whether or not Pierre Polyev has put a lid on this and shown leadership. I, I don't think he has. I, I think he went halfway there, not the whole way. And, you know, this Leslie Lewis is appears to be a full-time nutter, and she's allowed to say whatever she wants regularly because she ran for the leadership of that party. I think it's wrong. I think he needs to sit her down, uh, and I think uh, he needs to have a very serious conversation with his uh, caucus. This is unacceptable behavior. Curious about your thoughts about a uh, column Rosie Damano wrote. I guess it's what we call in the business a think piece, uh, but it's about uh, she uses the trees at Osgood Hall as a metaphor for how this city can't preserve its history and usually you know, blows past all sorts of aspects of city life in the name of progress. Um, Deb Hutton, I know you can't talk about the trees themselves. I think most people know you're on the board of directors at Metrolinx, but the wider question is whether or not, I don't know, we can't have anything nice in this town. <laughs> well, Rosie makes the point that she grew up here. And if you grew up here, you know, you'll, you see how it's changed for the, for the worse. I don't believe that. Having said that, I didn't grow up here, but I, I think we still have a beautiful city. I, I think there are ways that you can have progress and yet still maintain some of the important features of the city. In fact, if I had to write a column on this, I would say that we've gone overboard in protecting things that aren't exactly historical in nature or, or beautiful, <laughs> regardless of, of you the fact name names? that... Well, you know, I think about the whole section of, of Danforth. Do you remember when, when they wanted to protect that entire area, some of which was falling down stuff? And so, you know, again, I think we, we do too much to try and preserve too much, quite honestly, and for the sake of nimbyism. So I love when we keep facades and then build up behind. I love that we're doing uh, transit-oriented communities where we're actually building communities the way we did in the 50s and 60s. And and I, I just don't see it. We have tons of parkland. We have tons of trees. Uh, we just took the dog for a walk on the Rosedale Golf Course in our neighborhood. It's like acres and acres and acres of parkland that are made available in the winter. It's beautiful. I see. I don't buy in that every time somebody objects, it's nimbyism, and so that's you know because I'm often accused of nimbyism when I talk about the Bada Shoe headquarters having been torn down when it was a perfectly beautiful building. Uh, but maybe that makes me you know fusty and old-fashioned, Michelle Morrow. 
I am the old lady crank on the round table today. I, I agree with Deb. I like that we're building up communities, but we, we lose so much. And I am definitely a lover of trees. I hate that these trees are being taken down, that they're new buildings are going up and they're just taken down to make room for them. Yes, we need more housing. But the housing that we have going up or the housing that we're seeing is not housing that most of us can afford. So I hate that we're losing this. Keep the facades, yes, but we should have a bit more. I, I feel as though we could do more to protect it. But I think the reason we don't is because if we protect this one thing, then we worry that we're going to have to protect everything. Like we were, like Deb was saying about the Danforth, that may not have been an area that every part of it needed to be protected or maintained. But people are worried that if they don't stand up for everything, then we'll lose all of our history. Okay, let's move into a bit of pop culture here. Uh, Bob Richardson, James Bond novels are just the latest series of books that are going to be or are being re-edited for a spring release to make them uh, less homophobic, less racist, less sexist. Do you, do you buy into the idea that because something reeks of its times and those times have changed, that it needs to be changed? Uh, I, I have I struggle with this issue to be uh, to be honest. Part of part of me says, yeah, it should change with the times, and and it makes sense. At the same at the same time, sex is part of James Bond. I mean, it's and sex appeal and uh, and the whole uh, the whole lifestyle with martinis and this and that is part of James Bond. So I think you've got to be very careful how you do these things. Um, if you're going to do them, I understand what they're trying to do in terms of modernizing uh, the scripts. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the essence of what uh, the appeal for James Bond is. As you can tell, I'm a, a Bond fan. Are you? Because, Deb Hutton, I was just going to observe that I don't know who's reading the books. Everybody watches the movies, but I can't imagine anybody's still going back to the books. I guess there there's a well worth fishing in. So I'm not torn on this, John, uh, like Bob <laughs> is, to be frank. I like. This is appalling to me that someone would write a book and somebody, however many decades later, thinks it's okay to edit it. Like this is, this really makes me angry. So to, when you make a new movie based on the book, don't put that stuff in it. You know, the, the, the movies don't have to be exactly what the book is. Move with the times and, and be far more sensitive. But the notion that we would take someone's book and change it is really, really scary stuff for me. Put a disclaimer on it. Put a, you know, don't put it in our school libraries, whatever you want to do. But the notion that you would change someone else's words in a published book is absolutely disgraceful. Although, and Michelle, you'll get the last word on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm with Deb. I don't think you'd mess around with somebody's work, especially after they're dead. But at the same time, the Tintin cartoon series had some of the most awful imperial racism from back in the day that, you know, I mean, I'm talking about uh, Africans with bones in their noses. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I tell my students all the time that the lyricists who wrote these songs, they picked each one of these words on purpose. We need to honor that by trying to figure out why they use them and how that can serve us to tell the story. Um, the thing with um, Ian Fleming is that actually some of the uh, changes that he made happened before he died. And it's his family or his estate who is working to change this. I think the fear with leaving these words in books is that it will give people it gives people the feeling that they have the right to use them outside of the context of these books and when they were written. In so I think that yeah. is what is 
driving people to change them. In a similar vein and with almost no time on the clock, uh, the cartoonist behind Dilbert, his strip is vanishing from all kinds of newspapers because of some racist things he said. Uh, Bob, is he being silenced by the new woke culture? I don't think so. I think if you're saying inappropriate things, you shouldn't be given a massive amount of uh, space in uh, in a newspaper. Uh, I think there are consequences to your actions in life, uh, and I think you uh, ought to be uh, you ought to be careful on some of these things, uh, particularly if a number of the things you're saying are heinous. Sorry, uh, you don't get the pass by saying, "Oh, geez, this is just woke." Thank you all. Sort of faded to black there, but that's it. Uh, Bob Richardson, Michelle Morrow, and Deb Hutton on Free For All Round 2. Catch the Roundtable, Round 1 at 745, Round 2 at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.